Wouldn't it be great if Christians could talk about the Bible and various issues without fighting or arguing or name-calling? Imagine if we could just sit down and have a cup of coffee, discuss, and even if we disagree, treat each other with respect. That's what this podcast is all about, kind, loving, Christian conversations. It's not a sermon or a Bible class. It's just followers of Jesus talking about life and faith. I hope this show encourages you to have conversations like this with people in your life. I'm Wes McAdams, and I want to welcome you to the Crosstalk Podcast. Today, I'd like to invite you to listen to a conversation that I recently had with two of my friends and co-workers, Rosalind Miller and Mikey Kinsfather. These wonderful Christian ladies work as the children's education coordinators here at the Church of Christ on McDermott Road. They have so many wonderful thoughts to share about the importance of children's Bible classes, some practical thoughts on how to make Bible classes what they should be, and even what kids can gain from being in the worship assembly with adults. I hope you find this conversation helpful and encouraging. Children's ministry is important because God talks a lot about children in his word. And he tells us that um, unless we become and change and become like children, that we will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So I feel like that's really important because I personally would like to enter the kingdom of heaven. And so we know that there is a lot that we can glean from children. Yeah. So like if you're teaching a Bible class... Uh, you you gain a lot from being around those kids for sure, um, and we. It's funny, you know, when you teach a Bible class as somebody who's taught a Bible class or two, um, I learn as much from the kids as they probably learn from me. But one thing that that I have, as a dad, one of the things that I noticed really quick was how much my kids got out of Bible classes, even when they were really really little, when they were babies, I really thought Bible class would be more like babysitting and that they were going to go in there and just have somebody watch them so that everybody else could go to Bible class. But I was blown away how even before they could talk, how much they were learning from Bible class. It's so true. Kids uh, pick up on a lot of things from a Bible class. They they learn the stories, they learn the songs, but as you mentioned, even before they can speak, they're learning other things. They're learning the routine of being here. They're learning that Bible class means, it means singing, praying, story, and playing with friends. And if you think about it, that's really what church is about for grownups too. I mean, we come here to sing and to pray and to learn from God's word and to fellowship. Mm-hmm. And that's the routine in Bible class too. Yeah, for sure. So if, so y'all work with, all the teachers and the kids themselves and the parents and those kind of things. So if you had to, if you had a mom or a dad that was not bringing their kids to Bible class and they asked you, why should I, you know, why should I make, because it is hard, you know, I mean, it's hard enough sometimes to, to get your kids here for worship and then to say, Hey, there's an extra hour on top of that, that, it's really good if you can get your kids here for Bible study, for Bible class. What would you tell them about why that's so, that's such an important thing or why it's beneficial for their kids or for them as a family, either way? 
I'd say as a family, some of our greatest discussions have come from questions that our kids have brought home from Bible class. Mm, so they go to Bible class, and if this children's ministry is effective and challenging, they come home and they have questions and they want to learn more. And a lot of times as parents, sometimes, I mean, we have to admit we don't know the answer. So it prompts us to to study and to talk to them and to try to figure out the answers to these questions that they have. And they hold us accountable, mm-hmm. which is the big thing, mm-hmm. right? They, they are looking and they're learning and they're saying, wow, mom, dad, are you doing the things that God tells us that we should be doing? Mm-hmm. Are you following his statutes and, and what he wants us to do? So, And the things that kids are learning in Bible class are so foundational for faith building you know, you need that context of understanding what happened in the Bible to really build a relationship with God. And I think that's why it's so important. In our Bible classes, um, at all the age levels, we have uh, what are called inscriptions. And I love that term. At first, it was kind of confusing to me. I was like, what are inscriptions? But that's the memory work of the classes. And they call it inscriptions because we're inscribing, we're writing these things on kids' hearts. And it's providing them a biblical worldview and context for making decisions later and, and developing that relationship with God. There's been so many times as a, when I was in youth ministry that I would work with teenagers that both had the background of Bible classes when they were kids and the teenagers that didn't. On the one hand, I will say that I, I loved working with kids that didn't have the background because it was, they were sort of a, a clean slate. And so that was, that was fun. And, you know, it was, enjoyable to a certain degree for for certain reasons. But the kids that had the background, it was almost like they had learned their alphabet. You know, I mean, if you use a metaphor of reading, and so you had that sort of background to fall back on. And so you could say, okay, here's a, a biblical principle that as a teenager, I want you to understand and to learn and that you need to understand to follow Jesus. And I'm going to use this Old Testament story, or I'm going to use this this background. I'm going to say, hey, do you remember the story of Esther? Do you remember Ruth? Do you remember whatever? And draw from those things. And if they don't have that background and they don't have that foundation, then they sort of, like you said, Mikey, they don't have a biblical worldview and they don't have sort of that framework to hang the rest of these things on. And, and you know, that's how the New Testament was kind of written. And so Paul or Jesus or whomever was drawing from this background that these Jews had their entire life. And, and when you get to a teenager or even to an adulthood and you don't have that background where you know the story of everything from the garden to Jesus, then you don't have that, that sort of foundation to, to start building the actual discipleship on top of. It's so true. I mean, all learning is about connections, making connections and making pathways in your brain. And in education, we call it schema. You know, you have to build schema. You have to provide context and to make those connections that are more applicable later in life, maybe. But you build that background. Even as a child, you can start developing that schema about Bible knowledge. That's so good. And, you know, I mean, part of my 
my thinking right now, because I grew up with some family members that were sort of anti-Bible class, uh, and they didn't believe in churches having Bible classes. And on the one hand, I can understand their point that it's a parent's responsibility to train their kids. And I think, I don't want to speak for y'all, but I think that we would all agree that that's true. I mean, the primary responsibility of training my kids to follow Jesus is my responsibility, that it can't be something that I sort of pawn off on the church or on other people. But at the same time, it's like, why would I want to shortchange my kids on on the supplemental information. And like you said, Rosalind, I love what you said about the fact that when you're coming away from Bible class and you start talking about, well, I learned this, or my teacher said this, or them even challenging us and say, well, wait a second, Dad, what about this? Where if I'm the only adult that's speaking biblical truth into their life, then I'm not going to teach them things that's going to challenge me because I don't think about it, or it's off of my radar, or I don't want them to challenge me. But if they have other adults that are speaking that into their life, then they have that. So I, I don't think that uh, we need to take off the table the fact that it is a parent's primary responsibility, or it is primarily the parent's responsibility. But but what a what a huge blessing to have other people in our life that are teaching. Yeah, and it could be really easy to kind of get lazy about that as a parent mm-hmm. if you are bringing your child to Bible class three times a week, you know, and um, it's it's easy to get into that being just your routine. So you do have to be conscious of that. But how awesome is it when churches can provide an opportunity for three full hours or three 45-minute blocks of time with your child spending with another Christian adult who loves your child, loves the Lord, and they're talking about the Bible? I mean, that's just an awesome opportunity that so many churches offer. Mm-hmm. So, and it's on uh, on their grade level at an age appropriate manner mm-hmm. of presenting their learning. So, and to know that they have other other Christian adults that they can talk to and that have biblical knowledge that they can reach out as a resource mm-hmm. is just invaluable. It has been for me. And I know that my children personally have had so many Bible class teachers that they respect. And even when they're not sure what mom, what we have to say, you know, sometimes they have said, yeah, I'm going to check with mm-hmm. brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so, and let's bring them into this conversation. And I think that's great mm-hmm, that we can sure. all have that conversation. And it, it, it helps them as they move into those teenage years, it helps them to know this isn't just something mom and dad think. This isn't just something that they believe. It, it helps to reinforce the truthfulness of it when you know everybody in my community, which is the church, all of these adults believe this, and they walk this way, and they live this way, and it's real for all of them, not just—because we all get to a point in our life where we question mom and dad, and, and that's part of growing up, where we start to say— is that just them? Are they just weird? Or is that real? You know, and so we we start asking those questions and it helps to have that that community of people that are around them so that they they have that reinforcement. And another benefit that Bible classes provide for Christian families is a peer group for their kids. Mm-hmm. You know, when they're at public school, their peer group is not necessarily a Christ-centered group. Um, but even as children, they start to develop friendships that are they, they understand that those friendships are a little bit different than their friendships maybe at school, and there's some trust that can be built there, and just that Christian prayer group is so important for kids as they get older. It's important for parents, too, 
It really is. And you talked about the relationship between the teachers and the kids, but the teachers also can build relationships with the parents too. Mm. And they can be such a great resource for each other. Just another set of adult eyes looking at your children and thinking about them, you know, and, and caring for them can be really helpful for some parents. So let's kind of transition from, from a church's perspective, what's important for a ch- children's education curriculum or children's education just in general? Well, I just think keeping God's word at the center of children's education, mm-hmm. you know, sounds like it would be crazy that it's not at the center, but there's so many things out there that distract us and that we think, oh, we can do it this way. And it, keeping God's word right there and reminding children to bring their Bibles to church Mm-hmm. And that, you know, we actually, this is where it's all coming from. And, you know, I love technology as much as the next person. I love a good slide and I love, you know, different things that we can use. But I think the primary resource is for a teacher to bring out that Bible yeah. and to show children that, you know, what we're learning is coming from God's word. Do you think it's possible, and this just popped in my head when you said that, but do you think it's possible that we unintentionally teach kids that the Bible is somehow needs supplementation or it's kind of boring in and of itself, and that unless you jazz it up and add this and that and the other, that the story itself is kind of dull, but if you add all of this other stuff. So it just seems like if we're not careful and if we don't keep that central then then we may unintentionally leave them with the impression that the Bible in and of itself, that the message in and of itself needs our help. Yes, we need a reminder of that. I think that we have done that. I mean, I've heard from adults that, you know, is it really applicable to our mm-hmm. lives today? Well, of course it is. And our kids need to understand that and know that. And again, that just needs to be the primary resource. So that would be at the foundation of any children's program, any children's ministry. I think it also surprised me when I realized with my own children that we have to intentionally teach kids that the Bible is not like other storybooks. Mm -hmm. It's not like the books, the the fiction stories that they're reading in school and that sort of thing. And and you have to start at an early age explaining that. We're not telling you a make-believe story. Mm -hmm. We're telling you something that really happened. Mm -hmm. This is more like history class than your reading class. And um, just teaching it that context early in their in their development i think is really important for them to have a distinction between bible stories and story books mm-hmm. you know they're they're really different yeah for sure you know one of the things that that has always been big on my list is is a timeline you know and understanding sort of how one thing led to the other and and i think that's a thing that's that's a part of a biblical understanding that a lot of adults don't have is how did how did this lead to this to lead to this to lead to this and we really can't understand Jesus unless we understand where everything came from and we end up treating the bible like a bunch of aesop's fables or something uh and and just well here's a little moral story and it has a little moral point at the end um and they just learn all of these sort of disconnected stories Abraham and Noah and Moses and but in their mind they're just a hodgepodge of stories with little moral truths at the end rather than this narrative arc, <laughs> big word, you know, you know, but, but, but I mean, even a kid can understand that they can understand how the garden led to Israel, led to the fall, led to the exile, led to Jesus. And so, um, I think that's an important part of, 
of teaching our kids that over time they get that that sort of big picture, the big story in their head. And you mentioned earlier about the difference between teaching kids who have had who have attended Bible class mm-hmm. their whole lives and kids who never had. And it it is neat to see older kids experience stories for the first time. But it's also neat to see kids experience those connections that you're talking about to actually start to pull those stories into the bigger picture as they get older. That's just as exciting for them when they're like, oh, yeah, that's that's why that happened. You know, I remember that story from when I was in the first grade class. But now they as they get older, they start to understand why they learned that story. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So what what other things would y'all say are are important to um, a core, like make sure that every children's education program, whether it's a big congregation or a little congregation, that everybody makes sure that these kind of things stay central or part of what we're doing? Well, I think um, not forgetting the little ones and that mm-hmm. the, even yeah. the youngest ones can learn and can learn about God and learn about the stories and that sort of thing and to actually teach them biblical content at early ages. You know, we start with our our infants class learning songs about how God made you and God loves you and um, God has given you gifts of your parents and your family and and you're here on a Sunday and that's important and and all of those lessons that are really foundational. And one of the things that I've heard you talk about in the past, Mikey, is is that that making Jesus the center and having a Christ-centered curriculum. And and that is something I think was missing, you know, in a, in a lot of the Bible stories that I heard over the years growing up in different Bible classes is just seeing how everything leads to Jesus. And now, thankfully, I think that there's a lot more curriculum that's on the market or that people are aware of that really helps people to see that. And and like you said, I and I appreciate that, that, that sometimes you don't see those connections until later on. And that's how everybody was in the first century. They were, it was dawning on them how everything was leading to Jesus. But if we can teach those things at a younger age where they they already see those connections between Abraham and Jesus and between Moses and Jesus and between Jonah and Jesus and how all of these stories are pointing to Jesus and and making sure that that no matter what age our kids come into sort of our realm of influence, that we're pointing them pointing them all ultimately to Jesus. I think that's another area where some of our volunteer teachers find themselves learning more. You know, mm, when they're yeah. they're preparing for a story on Jonah and and having to think through how does that connect to things that happen in the New Testament? How does that connect to life today. They have having to make those connections themselves is another place that adults really learn when they're teaching. Yeah, for sure. So that's a good, good kind of segue to talk about teachers. So what, what do you say to somebody if they, because I'm sure you run into this, that, that somebody says, you know, Hey, I would like to, I'd like to help. I'd like to teach, but I can't, or I'm scared or I don't want to, or I'm afraid I, I won't do a good job. And what do you do to convince people that it's number one, good, but, but also that they, they can do it and not ought to do it. Yeah. I, I think that, um, there's a couple of different ways to approach that. Now we have a situation here where we always have two adults in every classroom. And so we always have a teacher and a helper. And so if someone's new or they're not comfortable, we let them be the helper. And then they don't have to have a speaking part necessarily, but they're interacting with the kids. They're watching how the class flows and that sort of thing. So that's a great starting point. But also I've told teachers who are the main teacher, just love, you love God, God loves the kids. That's what you're trying to share with them. So let's just bring it back to that point every time. And 
and they understand that. And if they can talk to kids, they can teach the Bible lesson. So any any experiences that y'all would share from just personal stories of, of teaching, things that you've, I mean, why is this something that over time that this has become an important thing to you? I mean, have there been moments where, I'm sure there have, I mean, in all of our lives, anybody that's taught a Bible class has been blessed in one way or the other by being in a class. And we talked about how the kids sometimes teach us more than we teach them, but any specific stories? I'm putting you on the spot, I know. But <laughs> any specific stories come to your mind? Or even, maybe not even a specific story, maybe even just a general story. All right, well, I'll share someone else's example. <laughs> a friend who's teaching a preschool class right now mentioned the other day that one of her kids, after after she read them a story, told her, I love you just as much as I love Jesus. Oh. And, you know, you could just see with, even with little hearts how those relationships are so important. But that child still equated love with Jesus mm. because of the context of, of Bible class. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I can't really think of any specific stories right now, but I can just tell you generally, I feel like I'm always gleaning more from teaching Bible class than I'm giving like whether it's from a comment that a kid makes or observation, because they can make these really huge observations sometimes that kind of bring it all in perspective and you go, wow, you know, mm -hmm. I didn't realize that if I'm being honest. Um, but sometimes it's just from the, the study that you can do as a teacher yeah. pre preparing to teach a class. You can get a lot from it. So I just, I mean... I have always felt like I gained more mm -hmm. as a teacher than I've given out to my students. And I'm always so impressed by how much kids can learn and how they can make connections on their own. You know, I've seen with my own children how they can be sitting in the auditorium during worship service and make connections from what they're hearing to their Bible class. I've had my daughter lean over to me and say, Mom, that was my memory verse last week, you know, or... Um, my son say, you know, we talked about fishermen and nets in my class today. And that came up in the sermon. And they actually glean information from adult level sermons sometimes, mm -hmm. too. I mean, we had a sermon series a while back, Wes, you did a sermon, a series on prayer mm -hmm. and different types of prayer. And that was really impactful to my son. And he memorized pretty quickly the five different types of prayer. And we would talk about that at night when he was saying his nightly prayers. And he would talk about, well, I'm going to I'm going to do three types of prayer tonight. And and then we would talk afterwards after he prayed about what what different types of prayer. And wow. that made him, you know, just a little more intentional about branching out and talking to God in different ways and not just saying thank you all the time, but mm -hmm. but in praising God and and asking for things for other people and as well as for himself and for that confession when God to him every time, though. That's a little hard for kids and grownups. Yeah, so. for sure. <laughs> You know, and, th and that brings up something that I'm really thankful that y'all have done is the children's bulletin and the notes section. I'm just blown away. I am absolutely blown away by the notes that kids will come up to me and they will show me what they wrote. And as a preacher, it is incredibly, it is just an incredible blessing to have some, a kid come up and show you something. And literally, I will have been thinking, I don't know that I made that point. I, you know, I, I'm thinking in my head before they show it to me, I'm thinking, you know what? I don't think I connected today. I don't think anybody got anything out of this. And they'll come up and they'll show, and I think, wow, if he got it or she got it, then I guess maybe I did make that point. You know, and I, I don't even remember saying that. In fact, Noah, my my youngest, will show me his notes every time. And and I think, 
I don't even remember saying that. I was thinking it, or I, I knew I needed to say it, or I wanted to say it, but I didn't remember saying it, or I didn't think I said it. And 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 he somehow not only got it, and he doesn't write stuff down usually, he draws a picture, but he'll draw a picture that represents whatever it was I was talking about. And I just think, man, what what a tremendous thing that is. And for them, because y'all started that bulletin, then they're going to grow up with a habit of taking notes in sermons. And, and you just, you learn, I learned so much more when I listen and write things down. And and I think most people do, whether, and, and I love letting them do notes however they want to do it. The fact that some kids draw pictures, whether they're little or, or older, some people are just artistic and they think in abstract ways and to watch their mind work and for them to write down or draw a picture that represents the message that was preached that morning, it's just such a tremendous thing. And I just think it's so good for the, the health of the entire body. Well, I really do value intergenerational worship and just helping kids to feel engaged mm-hmm. and to feel like they are a part of what's going on. And so that's, that's the reason behind the bulletin the kids bulletin is to help them figure out ways to engage themselves and what's happening. And we have in th- things in there, like what was your favorite song today? Mm-hmm. And that for some kids is their favorite part of the bulletin that's because awesome. they love to share their opinions. And I left it out of one bulletin recently and probably a third of the kids that turned in their bulletins, went ahead and wrote out what their favorite song of the of the day was because that's, that's one of their favorite parts. But just helping them to feel like they're in the right place, that that service is for them, not just the grownups, mm-hmm. I think is so good because I think worship time for kids is immersion learning. They are learning the language of faith. They are learning our the way we practice, um, what we believe, and how we talk about it. And I feel like they just get a lot out of that service. Maybe if there's one thing I think in general that we don't do well is that we underestimate our Mm -hmm. children Mm -hmm. when it comes to learning and learning God's word. I've always, when I was doing youth ministry, I would always tell people that you you have to set the bar higher than where you think they are because they're not going to rise to meet it unless you do, unless you raise the expectations to a point where you can't, I mean, obviously you can't set it so high that they'll never achieve it, but you have to you have to raise that, that expectation level. And so often, and I think that goes back to what we were saying earlier about, you know, sort of dumbing down the Bible and and just giving people the giving kids the impression or adults for that matter, but giving adults the impression that the story itself is kind of dull. That the only reason you'll want to be here is for the entertainment value or that factor, and 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 sort of unintentionally giving that message. But if we if we really do expect out of each other, adults and kids, sort of to set the, the the level of expectation a little bit higher and allow them to rise to meet that that's how they learn and and I that's one of the things I'm most thankful about McDermott Road is that our our kids are in in the worship and we worship together as family and it's hard sometimes I mean I know especially for my wife you know who for the most part of parenthood has had to have the boys by themselves during a good portion of the worship service and so it's hard and I know for especially single parents and you know and parents of small kids that's tough but I'm so thankful as someone who grew up always being in the assembly every Sunday of my entire life for the most part you know, I'm so thankful for that time that things were said that I didn't understand and that I I searched until I did understand and my brain just you know, even subconsciously tried to figure out what in the world are they talking about? What are they doing? What does that mean? And and that's a learning experience. Mm-hmm. 
And I love what you said about high expectations because it's in stretching to reach those high goals Mm -hmm. is where you grow. Um, But when you do have high expectations, you have to celebrate the process, not the end result. Oh, that's good. And keep encouraging kids as they're learning and as they're struggling through achieving, trying to achieve those goals Mm -hmm. and just keep encouraging them the whole time, not wait for the end result. Because if it's a high expectation, they may or may not get all the way to that end result very quickly. I just think about a healthy church having grandparents and parents and children. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's all of us together. And I think that's important because, you know, you hear a lot about children are the, the church of tomorrow, but really... They're the church of today. Mm-hmm. God intends them intends for them to be right there with us mm-hmm. and learning and growing and developing and, and lending what they have to lend, which is their enthusiasm mm-hmm. and their zeal. And, you know, when you have a child who believes in Jesus and has learned, you know, the story of Jesus, wow, that is just as powerful, mm-hmm. it's incredible, and I mean, in fact, the scripture tells us that's what we should be like, right? right. That's who we should be. And and those children being right there remind us Mm -hmm. that that's that's where we're supposed to be. And it is a struggle for parents with little kids. And I I know it is. And it's hard for a couple of years there where you are just dealing with a wiggling toddler. And that's just the way everybody is. But it's so worth it. The dividends Mm -hmm. really pay off. And um, your kids are learning, if they're sitting through an hour and 15-minute um, worship service every week, their attention span is also developing. And that's going to be that's great right. for them for so many other things. You know, your kids, if they can learn to sit and listen and participate, are going to be more ready for school, more ready for meetings later in life. There's just a lot of ways that that helps them, too. Well, and I, I know I had conversation with two moms this week that that missed parts of the sermon because because they were dealing with their kids. But, you know, and, and we could look at that and we say, well, that's negative. You know, they didn't get to learn because they were distracted or they misunderstood what I was saying because they were distracted. But at the same time, the other side of that is that it led to further conversation. And that's a good thing, you know. And so they could come to me and say, okay, well, you said this, I think, you know, I'm not really sure. And I got to clarify. And then that led to a further conversation. So, you know, it's not always a bad thing when when you just live your life together as a family. And yeah, there's going to be there's going to be parts that are challenging and hard, but if we smooth all that out and we make everything just easier, then there's going to be consequences of that too. And I think that's the part that we don't always recognize is that if you smooth all that out, then then there's not going to be the challenge and that's it's going to say, okay, I got it. I'm going to go home and lead and not lead to further conversation. Here's kind of a funny story about you know, having those conversations with your kids afterwards. Noah was in a Bible class. Noah's my youngest. And and he was in a Bible class and the Bible class teacher was talking. Oh, they were talking about Saul. And so Saul and his sons went out to battle and they died. And Noah asked, why did Saul's sons die? Saul was the bad guy. Why did his sons die? And I said, well, you know, they went with their dad and, he, you know, that they were going the wrong way. They were doing the wrong thing. And and we just had this long, but he he just was frustrated about it. And I kept thinking, why is he so frustrated? It, it was only after like a five, 10 minute conversation that I realized he thought when it talked about Saul's children, that they were children. He was picturing in his head, little kids. And he was like, that's crazy. Why did that happen? I mean, he's seven years old. But it just reminded me how so often in worship or in Bible class, there's misunderstandings and there's things that happen and they may sit through a whole Bible class and they don't. 
they think they got what the teacher was saying and they don't. But that's why that that further conversation is so important that we have those follow-up conversations with our kids and ask them, what did you understand? What did you appreciate? What did you have questions about? And we keep having that conversation. That's why our homes, this this has to just supplement what we're mm-hmm. doing at home. It does. And I, I another story similar is I received a children's bulletin this week. Back The kids turned them back into me and uh, had a picture. It had two stick figures and one was really big and one was really small. And one was labeled God and it had a, a little speech bubble and it said, I have chosen you. And then the little person, it had a speech bubble and it said, how? And I was like, oh, wow, this child is really trying to figure it out. Well, come to find out it was my own daughter who had written that. So I get to now have a conversation with her about how God has chosen us and how we are God's people and what that really means. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, they're thinking about things all the time. That is awesome. You know, and then sometimes, just sometimes, they go off and they show us... from the sermon and the lesson, what we should be doing. Mm -hmm. And it reminds me of a time where I'm rushing and I'm going through a store and I have my little ones with me and I'm at the cashier and my middle child goes, you know, she's just saying this to the cashier, you should really come to visit our church. And she starts all this conversation and I'm, you know, I'm like, oh, don't, you know, Hallie, don't bother her and all this. And, you know, then I'm leaving and I'm going, well, she's doing exactly what we're all supposed to be doing. So, I mean, we can explain to them, but oftentimes they can show us what we should be doing. Mm -hmm. You know, something that occurred to me when we were talking about the whole assembly is that we often talk about diversity in the church, which is a great conversation. And the church has to be diverse in lots of different ways. But usually we just think about, you know, racial diversity or cultural diversity, but age diversity is part of that too. And, and not just necessarily physical age, number of years, but also maturity levels. The church has to be a place where people of that are, that are children, both literally, and those that are just coming to faith in Christ, where we can all be together and have these conversations together, because it's both in the teaching and in the learning and just in the conversing and going through life that we learn so, so many lessons. And often new Christians and and young people teach us lessons and ask questions that prompt a discussion that we would never have if the church was, if the only people that could ever talk and the only discussions we ever had were sort of, you know, top down lecture style, you know, but it's, it's just in this, in living Christian life and having these conversations and going to Bible classes and being in small groups that, that these things come out and we grow, we all grow together. I was at a children's ministry seminar a few months ago, and in one of the presentations, a concept came up came up that I'd never thought of before. But the presenter asked us, he said, do you believe that children can be true agents of worship? Agents of worship. And what he was talking about is, do you think that children truly worship God when they're singing, when they're praying? And and I do. And I believe that they're really singing with their hearts and they're really singing to God. And when they pray at night, they're really praying to God. And when I look across the auditorium and see a child singing with his whole heart, it reminds me of how I need to be. Mm-hmm. And and like you said, Rosalind, we need to be like the children. And maybe his faith is naive, but we're supposed to be that trusting and that dedicated. 
And don't they really show us what love is and what love looks like? Mm -hmm. And like you said, Wes, you know, we think about um, coming from different backgrounds. And I mean, we, we all come together and sometimes it's so difficult, but oftentimes for little kids, they're just not polluted by mm-hmm. all of that. That's exactly right. You know, and we just, you know, they are agents of worship. Mm-hmm. I do believe that. I would, I would add to take the opportunity to teach a Bible class, volunteer to be an assistant in Bible class, um, glean from children because that's why they're there. Mm-hmm. And uh, just, you know, children's ministry needs adult Christians who will help teach children mm-hmm. and who will help be examples for children. That's important. Thanks so much for listening to the Crosstalk Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you're subscribed on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you find your podcasts. And if you have an idea for a future episode, send me an email, wes at radicallychristian.com. As always, I love you, God loves you, and I hope you have a wonderful day.